Welcome to episode four of Caucus Talk, your source for culture, history, and tourism in the North Caucasus Mountains of Russia. I'm your host, Andrew. I am Eli. And we live here in the North Caucasus. All right, now, uh, Eli, just to clarify, uh, yesterday there were like these big congressional elections in America. So caucus talk, we're like talking about that, right? These caucus election maybe, results. Maybe we should be, Andrew, but we are not. We are not talking about caucuses in the Midwest. I really don't, yeah, don't want to go there. Let's not even go there. Yeah, so again, we know caucus is not how you say caucuses mountains, but we think you'll remember it better that way. Caucus talk is about the North Caucasus Mountains in Russia. In Russia, not in Iowa. That's right. All right. All right. So, hey, let's get going. We're really glad you're here with us. This is our fourth episode, and uh, we are, as we're beginning, doing a mini-series on what is the North Caucasus. We talked about tourism, kind of the land geography. Today, we're talking about culture. And then I was going to say tomorrow, but not tomorrow. It's not tomorrow. Ne- next episode. Calendar. We're going to talk about history. So let's get started. Culture, you know, this is a word that gets thrown around Culture. a lot. What is it? Can you actually define that word? Oh, man, I'm actually glad you asked. I happen to be a wow uh, student of anthropology. And um, no, honestly, I am a student of anthropology. There are um, as many... Definitions of culture, practically, I think, as there are cultures. Wow. My favorite definition. You really want my definition? Yeah. I mean, there are people who go on and on about the symbols and the values and the, and the systems, and that's all part of culture. A way I like to think about culture is what people do with what they have. Interesting. That's super truncated, but basically... You look at a people's life and what do they do with what they have tells you why they do it. Uh-huh. Or if you it can tell you why they do it. Because what we do with our stuff, with our bodies, with our voices, with our, you know, material culture yeah. is all reflective of our um, non-material or or kind of worldview, worldview and, and all that. So beliefs. Yeah. Uh-huh. Basically, what do people do and why? That's culture, man. Cool. Yeah. I researched this some and uh, one person who was writing about culture said, there's probably no more contra- comprehensive word in the English language, like you said, <laughs> culture. Uh, it's my culture. Yeah, I, I like your definition. One I found is similar to that is that culture provides the patterned way of doing things. Yeah, pattern, that's good. Um, and it's, this, is even, this is a little more in depth, but I think it's really helpful. Culture is the super glue which binds people together and gives them a sense of identity and continuity that is almost impenetrable. Ooh, those are some juicy words. I mean, if you think about the word culture, like another use of the word culture is like a Petri dish, right? Yes. You know, in science. Couture? Petri. It's culture, not couture. 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 Haute couture, that's that's Francais. Ah. That's completely different. But if you think (sighs) about like in science, you take this Petri dish and you put, what do you put like a piece of bacteria in it, right? Uh And then over time, it in a contained environment, it multiplies and, and replicates and takes on certain characteristics because it's uh. contained. So if it were just sitting on your floor, it wouldn't do the same thing. So basically when you get some people together in their own place, they multiply and they create a, like an organism or an organic system Hmm. which is distinct to itself. So that's another way of thinking about culture is, you know, dishes of bacteria all around the world. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds kind of gross. But there are, there's good bacteria. But beautiful. There. You know, it's interesting as we're going to talk about history and of the Caucasus in the next podcast, but I think that's a really good description and it, it all kind of works together. The history makes sense in light of the culture and how it was formed. Um, okay. So, one thing I read in researching what is culture is to understand another culture, you have to become a master of your own. Ooh. Yeah. So I thought it would be interesting. We're going to talk about North Caucasus culture. It's very fascinating. It's very, very different from American culture. Elena and I are Americans. Uh, so we're going to talk briefly about American culture. I'm just editing the song, Proud to be an American, and I stand up in my head. So I, wouldn't, I didn't want to say that. 
Proud to be an American. Oh, yeah. I have never sang those words in Russia. There's probably a reason for that. <laughs> that uh, might be last time. Okay. So, Eli, right. if you had to Uh-oh. give several one-word answers to what are American values, <gasps> values that represent the culture, what would you say they are? All right. Just off the top of my head. Off the top of your head. Independence. Okay. Freedom. Wow. Uh, Krispy Kreme. That's, <laughs> That's two, two words. Two words. Can't do it. Dang. Donut. Donut. Glazed. Um, I would say uh, comfort or pleasure. Okay. And I think I would say autonomy. That goes with freedom. Ind- independence. Kind yeah, of, okay. Those are. Okay. I, I've thought about this a lot. Sure just like have. as I've. We've been studying Russian here the last couple of years, and like our, we've talked about this a lot with our professors. Like, who are Americans? What what is American culture? The words I came up with were diversity, mm-hmm. hard work. That's, That's two words, one. like Krispy Kreme. Oh, you can hyphenate it, probably. Yeah, individualism mm-hmm. and freedom. So yeah. we had yeah. we pretty much overlap. Overlap. Hard work is a really good one. I think the yeah. work ethic is important, at least as a value. Okay, so I researched this a little, and uh, I'm going to have this linked into the show notes, but I found this online, 10 Core American Values. Uh-oh. Who, who, can you tell us who it is? Who uh, says who? <laughs> yeah, it was a, uh, I looked at several sites. They were all pretty similar. This is Ask Yahoo. This was a, like a collaborative project okay. at a university. All right. Oh, it's a dot. Are you? It's actually a Russian website. Dot <laughs> <laughs> edu. All right. Dot edu. Okay. Ten core American values: individualism. Ding 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 ding. Equality. I'm sure there's some people who are just like rolling. Gone. Their eyes. <laughs> Materialism. Uh huh. Science and technology. Oh yeah, we're definitely a, a, a tech. What is it? A techno. A tech. Technocracy. Interesting. Mm. Progress and change. That's a good one. Work and leisure. Emphasis on leisure. <laughs> well, it's a combination of like you work hard and you play hard. Yeah, kind yeah. Of. we do that. Competition. Mm-hmm. Mobility. Mobility. People on the move. Okay. Volunteerism. That is That runs deep. Mm-hmm. And action and achievement oriented. Action and achievement oriented. Man, because an, another way to look at cultures is... is um, kind of orientations to core values or like dyads of values. So for example, that last one, achievement orientation, there's some cultures where they're status oriented you uh-huh. know, and you like, you are given a status by your name or your family or whatever. Yes. And so if you just picked up that one, like we are super achievement oriented, you can become anything or it doesn't matter if your dad's the president, you can still flunk out of math or yes or whatever. So that's a, there's so much to unpack there. Yeah. Honestly, like, this was really interesting for me because I've lived in Russia several years now. And so we're always talking about, you know, people ask us questions about America all the time. What is it like? You know, what are the common things that bind you all together? And so I've thought about this a lot, talked about this a lot. Uh, In reading about culture, one author I really liked, he said pretty much who you are is defined by the culture you come from and you can never detach yourself from that. You can never get to the point where you're above your culture, able to look objectively at all cultures. I think people at least want to be, if 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 not think that they can be. I I think I would say definitely in America, we kind of feel like, oh no, I I am who I am, and I've decided it. It's my and by doing that, by reading this, I realized, yep, I'm an American because <laughs> that's a core American value: individualism. It's like a fish. I mean, you can't get yeah, it's like a fish in the water; it swims in. But when I read these. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is who I am. I, I see me. so many of these in my life. .edu knows me. Yeah. Yeah. Especially. Yeah. What, what's the biggest one for you? Andrew? For me? Let me guess. I'm going to make a guess. The guess. biggest one for you is work and leisure. That's a big one. Okay. Competition. <laughs> I, from an early age, have been so competitive. And like, you just see that in America. You and, know? I'm a big sports fan. We, I always, think it's, we think it's personality and but you're saying here that it's a lot of it is 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 not inherent to a person so much as something that we grew up with. Yeah, I think it, I, for me it's probably both. But you see that that's big in America. We want to win. We want to be number one. Uh, so what about you? 
I'm not going to guess. Oh, I, I don't know if I can recall all of them. I would say, um, uh, oh gosh, I think, a, what was the second to last one? There was uh, a, second to last is volunteerism. Volunteerism slash achievement, act, action and achievement, like yeah. doing something or, or, or becoming, uh, that runs pretty deep with me hmm. in creative expression. and Yeah. Even like within materialism, a right to be well off and physically comfortable. Oh, yeah. Boy, you, you just don't even think about it as an American, but. All you need to do yeah. is travel. Yes. As soon as you travel, like really outside your culture. So one of my favorite things is when someone comes and visits like from another, if I'm outside the country. And I'll say, I'll say something like, so what are you expecting for your trip? And always people say, I just don't have any expectations. I really, and what they're, I think what they're trying to say is, you know, you don't have to like bake, you know, um, special food for me. Like I'm not going to be high maintenance. I'll just go with the flow, but we are loaded with expectations Yes, and you don't really know what they are until they are shattered on the ground. Yeah. And then you realize, oh, I expected my, my expensive hotel to have running water or air conditioning. The moment you start being disgruntled, you realize, oh, I had an expectation. <laughs> that happened to me at the bank yesterday. I was just like, you know, I won't go into that. <laughs> Let's tell some bank stories. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be its own podcast I, I that got we will about, never publish. I got a whole roll of those. <laughs> um, okay. All right. So, so yeah, that's American culture. So we've been talking about our own culture. Caucasus culture is fascinating. It's very different from American culture, but I want to say up front, there are some things I've learned here that have made me a better person. And I'm really glad like I've got to experience these parts and values of the Caucasus culture. Yeah. We are and too. It's Andrew. more a part of me. We really want you to improve. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for putting that on the public record. <laughs> it's true. I agree. Uh, okay. So, uh, we actually, in just a minute, we're going to bring on a good friend of mine. Uh, he's from the North Caucasus, and he's going to kind of lead this conversation about culture in the North Caucasus. But let's kind of intro Caucasus culture. In, in other words, you're saying that even though we have things to say about it, we'd rather, we, we have this strange impression that a, a North Caucasus person has a better view of North Caucasus culture than we yeah. do. Yeah, okay. I think it's going to be close, but... He probably has you know, a little more to say than no, I do. No, but actually we do need each other because we, we, need, you know, we think we know our cultures, but just like you said, when you read the list, you realize, oh, it, they know me better. So I think we can contribute you know, kind of from the outside, and yes. he can probably point out things about us. Yes. Well, let's go on. Okay, so uh, first thing I want to say about the Caucasus culture is people in the North Caucasus love their culture. They're very proud of it. They're specifically proud about their ethnicity, their ethnic group and their past. Um, and so this is something you can really only get if you've lived here, but people talk about these things all the time. People tell stories from their family's history, from the history of their nation. Um, sometimes you'll hear elaborate conspiracy theories about things. Um, <laughs> so like if we were in the U S in a social gathering and someone started telling like a folk tale from the civil war, I mean, we might be amused or kind of impressed, but that it would literally has be, never happened to no, me in America. No, right. I mean, you're not sitting yeah. there like sipping your Coke and it's, it's like, you know, <laughs> you know, back in 1861, you may not believe this, but actually it's like, I, I haven't been thinking about 1861 really right now, but, but that's more like that here. People will just like bring up it, history and, and it's totally normal <laughs> and like, very often, if you're sitting around a table having drinking tea with somebody, the conversation will move back one century at a time, 20th century, 19th century, uh-huh. 18th century. And it's fascinating. Like, And that's where our history stops. <laughs> and they keep going. We, yeah, we, we don't have very far back to go. Uh, so listen to this quote. I found this uh, uh, reading about, I found a really good um not diatribe. That's not the word I'm looking for. Ooh, that's a bad. No, that was very word. negative. Polemic. Uh, it was written actually by an Armenian person talking about the history of the Caucasus. Listen to what he says. Every nation, tribe, and ethnic group puts itself at the center of Caucasus culture and claims that all cultural values of the Caucasus have been diffused to the other Caucasus peoples from them. 
inconvenient. That's Very. Pretty. So think about that. So everyone sees themselves as the source. Yeah, like here in the Caucasus, we have minimum 50 different like ethnic groups from this region. All distinct. Not to mention a lot of them who have come from other regions. Like Turks or... Greeks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, like doesn't matter if you talk to a Balkar, <laughs> a Chechen, Ingush, a different Dagestani, often... The it's going to be about how like this is the true Caucasus culture. You know that reminds me of the dad in my big fat Greek wedding. <laughs> Have you seen that movie? I've so seen this that is movie. this is this like super nationalistic Greek dad who lives in Chicago or something. And one of his things is give me a word, give me any word, and I will show you how that word comes from Greek. You know. Yes. And so the, like his his daughter's school friend in the car on the way to school is just rolling her eyes. She's like, okay, how about? Kimono, which is clearly a Japanese word. And he comes up, you know, kimono, kimono, kimono. Ah, kimono <laughs> comes from Greek word himona, which means winter. What you wear when you cold? A robe. There you go. So, and it, it's kind of like that here. I have, I wrote off the top of my hat, head five different, five different quotes of things people here in the Caucasus have told me about their, their, Ethnic group. Right, I'm so dying. I'm going to read them right now. That was a good intro. All right. The first one, this was told me by, told to me by a, a Karachai man, Karachai. Uh, he said, there is genetic proof that Abraham Lincoln descended from the Karachai people. I love that. And he, he talked, he said, there's studies about it, documentaries. Abraham Lincoln was Kar- Karachai. Multiple documentaries. Okay. Second, this was told to me by a Chechen friend. Our people can trace their ancestry all the way back to Noah. So Chechens are descendants of Noah, and they, they believe that strongly. Okay, can I just make Although, a side note about that? Yes. If you follow the story of Noah, everyone descends from yeah, Noah. Yeah, that's kind of like, if you think it through it, <laughs> all the way to the end. So, But they have, they've got the document, documented proof. Yes, third. That's great. Uh, this is similar Wait, can to. Can I just interject? Yes. I mean, I want to take this guy seriously, and I don't want to be disrespectful. I would love to see what that means. Like, how do they understand history in the world? Where they trace that back? Because it's obviously legitimate to us. I don't want to just write it off. You know, it's like yeah. a different way of looking at historical events. So, yeah. I, you know, that's impressive. Yeah. I can go back to again. My we're we're sharing these because like it gives you a feel for like totally. how important the ethnicity here is in the past. Third one. This was told to me by an Ossetian taxi driver. You've been around, man. The English language came from the Ossetian language. Do you want me to show you how? Give me any word and I'll show you how. You're kidding. Just like that. No. <laughs> yes. It was like my big fat Greek wedding in a taxi in <laughs> North Ossetia. I would have just <laughs> died. It was very funny. I would have said kimono. Okay. Fourth. So this is about the Lesginka, which is like the National Caucasus Dance. But also um, a people group, the Lesgin. The Lesgin are a people. The Lesginka is like the national dance yeah. here. And all most of the different uh, ethnic groups here have a form of it. Okay. The, a Chechen said this. He said, I really don't like the Dagestani Lesginka. It's like a club. It's like a you're at like like a discotheque. A There's so many people. Our and, Lesginka is the most pure form. And I was actually there for that. Uh-huh. And uh you would be hard pressed if you were watching a video video side by side to actually discern the difference he was talking about. But he but meant it again, yeah. And then the last one, I have been told this by about every ethnic group <laughs> I've met here in the Caucasus. Don't trust them; those Armenians are a deceitful people. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Armenians, and it's not true. So yeah, again, that's that's a stereotype we we try to fight here, defend the Armenians. Anyways. I quote these and like, this is something we laugh about with our friends. They know like, oh man, people say all kinds of things, but like people really feel strongly about their ethnic group and their, their cultural heritage here. And you're saying we laugh about these with the friends who say them to us. I mean, that's right. They, they get that it's, but, but it's there. Those are great. Yes. Colorful. Um, okay. So you know what? Why don't we just, why don't we bring on our friend here? This is my good friend. I met him not long ago. Um, his name is Khalid, and he is from the Karachai people. Give it up for Khalid. Wow. Hello, Andrew. 
Uh, we met a couple months ago. Um, we both study at the same university here in the Caucasus. And um, we've become really good friends. And this interview obviously is in English with a native, not only a native Russian speaker, but a native Karachai speaker, uh, the Karachai language. And let's just be honest, how many of you have ever met a native Karachai speaker? <laughs> so we're- Yeah, that's right. I mean, a lot of people outside Russia, they think like Russians are like one nation like Slavic one nation, you know, homogeneous. Can you, I want you to say something in Karachai. Would you, do you have a proverb or you, yeah, can, sure. you can make fun of my face or something like that? <laughs> yeah, th- there's a very funny word. Um, it's not too long. Uh, it sounds like, What does that mean? Wow. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's, um, oh, he made fun of me. I think that was M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I. No, I mean it is really a word. It is really a word. It's the longest word. It's a one word. It's it's one word. Yeah, and starts with the word chal, and then just keep adding suffixes to it until eventually it becomes chal kachilada baznakladan madala. Like it's the longest word that you can get in my native language. Wow. What does it mean? It's very hard to translate it because it makes sense. One of our longest words, not the longest, is but as a kid, sometimes you learn anti-disestablishmentarianism. Did you ever learn that one? Yes. Anti-disestablishmentarianism. And until I was like, college, I never knew what it meant. And I still don't really know. So what does this mean, Halid, this word? It's hard to translate. Um, child. Okay, so uh, when you say chal, it's an imperative of the verb. Oh, actually, I should stop being a linguist. It's like you're saying, <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're, you're saying like cut the grass, chal. Uh, it's like cut the grass. When you say chalka, it's the tool that you use for cutting the grass. Uh, okay. Chalka is the person who does it. And you just keep adding it on and on and on. Eventually have that word that I've just pronounced. And what it means is like um, the rough translation would be, a rough translation would be, uh, are they from those who belong to to those people who cut the grass. I mean, oh I, I know it doesn't wow. make sense, but it just shows the potential of the language in the sense of grammar in respect to grammar. We yeah. need to learn that. I'm impressed. So we can say it to our car chai friends. Just that word. <laughs> that would be so cool. We can like shout it across a busy street. Like, are you from those who are from those who are from the cutters <laughs> of the grass? <laughs> no. Okay. Drop the mic, walk off. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, Khalid, uh, we have you here to help our listeners and us understand culture, the culture of the North Caucasus, yep. the North Caucasus people. Yep. So we just briefly talked a little about American culture. Um, and we one of the definitions of culture is the patterned way of doing things. Yeah. Uh, so it's often the behaviors reflect the beliefs. Um, so first question, this is kind of a generic question, but let's start. What would you say are the main values of Caucasus culture? Okay, so before I actually go to the subject of this, um, to that, to the subject, I want to say some some words to kind of like prepare the stage. Um, you know, today, um, due to exposure of people to the internet, yeah. due, due to television, due mm-hmm. to books, education, everything, all this information coming in from from uh, from outside, mm-hmm. um, all our traditions are being kind of like washed away uh-huh. due to globalization. You know, wow, okay, we're we're losing kind of like our identity. We're becoming like more 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 Western. And wow. would you say this is unique, new, unique to the Karachai, or all throughout the North Caucasus? Um, I think it's even throughout cultures. the world. I mean, it's just works yeah. worldwide. Yeah. I guess. Okay, interesting. That's a that's a good uh, dis- disclaimer. You could say, yeah. So the very first thing that I want to mention is that it's about um, great great deal of attention paid to the relationship between people, uh, between the young and the old. For uh-huh. instance, okay. like for instance. Um, when you shake hands, if it's the if it's if the person is older than you, it's just compulsory that you do it with with your both hands. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you do it with your left hand, I mean, if you do it with just one of your hand, if you shake some old man's hand with just one of your hand, like an American does. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's that's really rude. Like huh. you're saying, um, you're of the same status. Uh, like like me, you know. But he doesn't I, need I to shake. You. He doesn't need to shake with both hands to you. Yeah, yeah, certainly. And okay, n- not only doesn't he has to do that, but they also they always shake with with their one hand. Ah, interesting. Yeah. So it's just like you show your subordination to people by using your both hands when when mm. when doing the handshaking. No, okay. The, let's stop on this point. Uh, okay. So, that you know, it sounds like not a big deal shaking hands, but. 
as Americans, how people shake hands here are very different than how we do it in America. That's been one of the, I've totally changed in that regard. Uh, now when I shake hands with, with people, I always use both hands. Like just so you get a mental image of this listeners, like you shake with your right hand and then you usually use your left hand to clasp, either clasp their arm. You can put it like on their side, like a little side tap or hug hug or you're like, it's on the hand. It's like, yeah, yeah, you're grasping their hand. hand. Yeah. Yeah. Sandwich. So I do that all the time now. It's totally normal to me. So I was in America last summer and I I was so confused when Americans would shake my hands with only one hand. Mm-hmm. And it it felt like I can't the best way for me to describe it is I felt naked, like <laughs> only putting one hand out to shake a hand. Like you have to use both, you know? Andrew, that's a really interesting use of the word. I'm I'm you're not trying you're not saying it to be funny, but this idea of of being naked or exposed is so tied in to honor and shame, which is something that typically Americans do not yeah. quickly relate to on this surface of everyday life. You know, we have sort of an anti-shame culture where you're because of our liberty and individualism, you can do whatever works for you and no one can tell you otherwise. But we everyone experiences shame. And and everyone has you know can understand honor. So it's interesting that after however however much time here, year two Couple years, years yeah. you can already in a visceral way have that sense of exposure in a negative way, that yeah. sense of shame it just feels, from a handshake. Something feels off. If not both hands aren't going out. Now let me ask about this. This is the first time I've heard this. So an older Caucasus person or Karachai, they don't have to do use both hands with a younger person. Just uh, one. No, no, they don't have to. Okay. But they, he could to um, demonstrate. He, I mean, I just, I, I just can't get into my head. It's just hard for me to imagine, like my uh, my grandfather doing it with his both hands, for instance. Yeah. Okay. Now he can he can hug me with his left hand, uh-huh. but you know, as you said, like to sandwich someone's hand with your both hands, you know that. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. Just I cannot imagine an oh. older person doing this. So let me ask. You know, I'm I'm in my 30s, and I have a lot of friends who are uh, much younger than me, like student age, because I was studying at a university. So do I only need to be giving one hand since I'm older? Uh, no. Um. When when I, when I was talking about that, I meant like people in their late 60s. Okay, so that's early 70s, more anyway. reserved for like elders. Yeah. Yeah. Like elder, for, yeah, for really, yeah, older. Really elder. Okay. Good. Good. Okay. Cool. Darn. <laughs> Andrew's gonna. No, that's interesting to me. I mean, I I do two hands now, much so much. I don't think I can ever go back to one hand after doing the two hands. But one of the things that I've had to adjust to, um, and I don't know if it's right or wrong, but if my wife and I go somewhere like to a person's house, I've one of my big questions, and I'm sure it'll change, is how do I, you know, uh, interact with the husband. Toward my wife in the U.S., everyone would introduce everyone. Everyone would shake hands or hug or whatever. Yeah. So I, what I, what we do is we just wait to see what they do. So if he introduces me to his wife, mm-hmm. then I'll do the same. Uh-huh. You know, uh, or if she extends her hand, then I'll shake. But that really hasn't happened. I just, I kind of have to wait and take a. Yeah, but I should make it clear that the reason that we don't shake hands, it's not because we do disrespect women no. or something. Yeah. It's, it's actually the opposite. It is yeah. a respect. Yeah, it is a respect. Like we respect her dignity and mm-hmm. her pureness, and that's why we don't touch them. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that is really lost on a lot of people looking in from the outside. Hmm. <laughs> I think they misinterpret it yeah. as, oh, they just disrespect women when in fact yeah. it's yeah. a high honor. It's a deep, deeply held respect. Yeah. I just know what yeah. some ignorant people can make out of that. Sure. Right. <laughs> Man, we're on like the first Let's go. thing. You so know? we're talking about, so you would, the first value you've brought up of Cox's culture really is respect and specifically towards those older than yourself. All right, so we talked about handshaking. What would be some other ways that respect is shown towards older people? All right, so if you're, if you're in the presence of, the, again, of, of an elderly person, like if he's staying, if he's standing, he should not be sitting. If he's sitting, you should not be lying. Like you should not be more relaxed than him. Than mm. him, if that makes sense, or her. Yeah. So, uh, for instance, if you are sitting at a table, you know, when when you're sitting with your peers, you can sit in, in whatever shape you want, right? In, in right. whatever position you want. Yeah. But if if this if there is like um, an elderly person with you, like that guy from Kundaren, remember him? Yeah. Right? Um, it's an older. We were recently. Khalid and I were the guest of an older Balkar gentleman in his home. Yeah. Yeah. So, for instance, in his presence, like in the presence of someone in his 60s or even 50s, even 40s, actually, 
Uh, like I'm 20 myself. So yeah, in the presence of older people, it's very, um, I would say, like, it's not really the right thing to do to kind of like sit, like you're, you're half, half, like when you're, when you sit in a, in a kind of position, like when you're half lying, half sitting, if that yeah, makes sense. Kind of sure. leaning back. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like leaning back too much. And when you're over relaxed, mm. you know, okay. it's not really the right thing to do. Like you should, you should kind of like, um, uh, keep some certain code, you know, huh. stick to some certain code. Yeah. Well, that, these that, are, these are things like, we just don't think about, do we? You have to reprogram your thinking yeah. as, a, as an American to even notice, even to notice, because most of us would, if you ask, how did you sit at dinner? I couldn't begin to tell you. Yeah. What about, this is a, a little bit of an aside. We don't, don't need to go into this a lot, okay. but I wonder about with young children, which we both have young children, does that extend all the way down to the bottom? Or is there kind of a cutoff point where, well, they're young and they don't really understand, you know, they're five, so they don't have to, like, at what point do they have to start following those rules, especially boys? I question, think it's yeah. like um, case by case usually. Uh-huh. But usually, I mean, uh, younger children, they have more freedom. But at the same time, their moms make sure that they get to know their traditions and sure. that culture and all this yeah. code of behavior when they're, when they're young. As yeah. I say, um, like, young bra- young branches are easier to bend. This is what we say in our, in uh, our native language. Can you say that in Karachai? Um, something like, yeah. Wow, that was much easier than that long word that you taught us. <laughs> uh, that's interesting. I've met several probably six-year-old Caucasus boys who, when I came in their home, they, came, they walked across the room to me and did the, the double handshake. And I just realized, like, they, they've either been taught that or they've just seen it done so many times they know what to do. Six-year-old boys, I've, uh, they probably were taught that. Oh, yeah. And by the way, I just remember another <laughs> thing. Like, if there is a group of people in a room, you enter a room and there's a group of people, um, and you're about to start shaking hands. And by the way, when you, when you enter a room where, where there are men, you greet them by shaking their hands. Every yes. person's hand. Every person's Even hand. Even if you only know one of them. Yeah, exactly. You shake, okay. Exactly. You shake everyone's hand. And so the, 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 the rule goes like you have to start with the elderly, with the, with the oldest one, uh. and all the way down, just kind of like gauge them first, <laughs> you know, and wow. start with the oldest one. Yeah. Huh. And, and run the risk of really insulting someone. No. <laughs> that happens even with guys standing around at the university. Yep. It's the same. You're just standing there in a little group, but if someone comes in, typically – if they're caucus, caucuses, they'll shake everyone's hand, whether you know them or not. Yeah, sure. It's the same thing like entering a room. Yeah. So, like, again, this is weird to Americans. <laughs> like, if you know one friend in a circle of 10 guys, you're going to go up and talk. You might not even shake his hand because we don't always do that when we greet. And you're mainly going to talk with him. But here, you're going to shake your friend's hand. Then you're going to go around and shake every, hand, every guy's hand in the circle. And that's totally normal, and it would be completely disrespectful not to do that. Uh, so, yeah, it's like like Elo was saying. For us, we have like had to reprogram ourselves, and yeah. we're slowly reprogramming. Um, but uh, I I want to mention another point. Uh, something you really notice immediately when you start just getting to know people here is when a person walks in the room who's older than a younger person. Younger people immediately stand up. Yeah. I one time came into my kitchen and uh, my wife was hanging out with some uh, friends of hers who were students. And there was a, a Kabardine guy there and he almost knocked his chair over. He stood up so fast. Like he was like, <laughs> it was like so deeply ingrained in him. I have to stand up now because the host is older than me, you know? And again, that might sound weird to like Americans, but I've really grown to appreciate that. Um, especially cause like, I'm, I have friends who are younger than me and like it, I don't feel like they need to do that for me, Yeah. but it's, I know they're showing me respect by doing that. And like, it's honoring. Yeah. It's really cool. Well, and it used to be part of our culture too. I mean, a generation ago people did that. Yeah. The idea behind it is that you make the place vacant. So if the person just wants to sit in your place, if that older person wants to sit in your place, you just make your, 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 your place vacant for him. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. Cool. And by the way, you just mentioned that it was in your culture also. Yeah. What I noticed is that uh, 
it's just like it's very interesting to look at this whole picture like um it looks like america some i don't know maybe some centuries ago maybe not centuries maybe shorter time ago mm-hmm. was was very similar not not very similar but was more similar yes. to caucasus yeah. and it's just like you see how everything develops like you can you can look at Caucasus, like especially at villages like at, at a pre-modern society, mm-hmm. and, and then you can you can see like modern society in the West, yeah, and you just see that like the whole the whole ladder that people go through, yeah, you know, like you see oh these people used to be like that and then became the, and then they became like that, and you can look at Russians as um, right. you know uh, transitional transitional. <laughs> let me ask you. <laughs> let me just ask you, where are you? Where do you, where do you identify on the spectrum? Um, actually, I don't like to take anything blindly. Like a lot of people, um, they just, um, they're impressed by the progress that is in the West and they just swallow everything in, you know, like, um, culture, you know, values, everything, and, you know, just everything. What I do is, um, I mean, I don't want to get too deep into this, but just to give you a general, the general idea, I would say that. I try to think logically what is good and what is bad and, and so on. Oh. And if I see something bad in my culture, I try to get rid of that. Mm. And if I see something bad coming from outside, I also try to block it in some in some way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I'm I'm more closer to that pre modern society because I think there were more morals back then. Mm. People had like more morals back then. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, okay. Yeah. I appreciate uh, that. It's pretty fascinating. More. Yeah. Okay, so respect for elders and in general respect among people, that's one value. What would you say would be one or two other just important Caucasus values? So I came here and I was sitting at university one day. A guy whom I know, uh, he just came by. He sits, I mean, he sat, he sat close to me and then he got something out from his, uh, from his, uh, from his backpack mm-hmm. and he just started eating it. Without offering me that food, uh-huh. and it's not that I was hungry for, it and I it's not that I really wanted his food. But sure. if you do it in my culture, that is really, I mean, you don't do that in my culture, because if you if you if you're about to eat something, you first offer it to other people. Mm. Um, if you're about to drink something, you first offer it to other people. If you're filling your cup, you don't fill your cup before you fill the cups of other people, yes. or at least to off, you offer them to fill their cups. Mm. This makes hosting someone in our house like a little bit terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird when it first happens to you. I remember the fir- the f- not maybe not the first time, but I remember last year. Uh, he was an English student. I saw him going to class at eight thirty, and he hadn't even opened his. He had a carton of juice and some breakfast. He hadn't even offered it, and he offered it offered it to me. Yeah. It was really weird for me, but yeah. that's a way of showing respect in the Caucasus. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um well what I was what I was gonna say. Um yeah another thing that I've noticed is that uh in my culture, uh when you help someone, you don't make a big deal out of that. You just mm. make it you just try to keep it in a way uh so that the person doesn't really feel that you're doing some favor for him. You know, I, I know I know people who if you ask them for a pen they give that pen in the kind of way as if they're giving you their uh, one of their organs, you know, like if they're giving their <laughs> kidney or something. You know, don't I'll, you forget it. <laughs> I think I think Eli could probably act that out really this well. This pen cost <laughs> me thirty rubles. <laughs> yeah, but you remember that that movie Godfather? Yeah, yeah. He would help people or do some favor for them, and he would say, "But don't forget that I meant that I'm helping you right now." You know, uh, like that. that's don't not really be help, like is the it? Godfather. <laughs> yeah, at least. Um, huh. I know. So how would you give in a pen or an organ in a way that <laughs> someone wouldn't feel that you're doing a favor, you know, especially when you've offered them your breakfast before you've even opened it? I mean, it's, those are such different things. I, I don't know. It's just like, you know, you're not really making a big deal out of that, as I said. Um, just no problem. No big deal. No, don't worry about it. That kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, I mean, for instance, I know um, when I ask some people to do like, like those people, um, who, who who did that with me? Like making a big event out of that? I would ask them to do that, and they're like, "Okay, I can give this." Like that was the kind of way mm. that they, you know, that they followed. Uh, but what you do in my culture, like if someone says, "Like, uh, can you give me your pen?" Oh, oh yeah, sure, 
Yeah, it's yours. Okay. Something like that. Yeah. You know. So mm. I don't know. So is that different from respect? Are we on a new territory here? Is this like a kind of a saving face kind of thing? Saving face. Saving face. Are you familiar with that phrase in English? Uh, no. Hmm. I mean, saving face yeah. is related to one's own honor. Like it's oh. sort of dishonorable if you make a show of yourself, but it's dishonorable in other ways. Like if you, for example, if you have a guest and you you don't show good hospitality, you lose face. Oh, we say that in my native, like word for word, lose face. Ah. Yeah, I say oh. that in my native language. Oh. Like, is it the same thing face. with giving something? You don't want to lose face by making a big deal? or is um, it a- Yeah, it just, um, yeah, I mean, you don't, you just don't want to look mean. Uh-huh. That's really the okay. thing. And by the way, like talking about that in my native language, uh, there's no word for please. I always say that like there's no separate word for please. Uh. Like there, there is uh, a certain grammatical structure that you use to ask to to kind of like to sound polite, you know. But there's no word for please. So what it means is that uh, when you ask something in my native language, you're less polite. Like uh, hmm. you don't really uh, think that there is so much of begging needed to get something from uh. someone, you know. So it's really my culture, and it's interesting that I'm a bilingual, right? I know my native language, and I can also speak Russian. Yeah, I, I can speak both of them. <coughs> so, Actually, quadrilingual, not bilingual. <laughs> you speak Kerchai, Russian, English, and Arabic. Yeah, uh, my Arabic is very basic. And what else? What else are you hiding under your hat? Come on, what else do you speak? Uh, no, it's just like it's better to have like a couple of sharp knives than a dozen of the ones. Zing! That's good. Um, okay, so anyway, what I, what I was saying is that. Uh, when I speak to Kurdish people in in Russian, like if there are some other people around who don't understand Kurdish, I have to speak them in Russian. I have to speak with them in Russian, right? So I do my best to avoid to ask something in Russian because if I ask something in Russian from Kurdish people, I'm just I just sound over polite because I have to use that please. Yeah. Wow. And if I don't use that please, I sound too rude. <laughs> I I don't want both of them because in my huh. in my native language in my native language. Um, your request is just something in between. It's not too rude. It's not too. It's not like you're not begging someone. You know. Yeah. It's just something in between. Sure. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, fascinating. Uh, Khalid is a he's a linguist by uh, degree and at heart. He <laughs> he loves languages. Say so it's coming right. out in our interview. Can we just let's talk about hospitality? Okay. Uh, let's I mean, go there. This is. You you can't talk about Caucasus culture without talking about hospitality. Talk talk to us about hospitality. Yeah, I mean the first thing that you get busy with is probably setting the table. Mm. If that makes sense, like sure. you, you set the table, uh, you make sure that uh, you feed the person. You I know you give you give them water if needed, etc. I want to mention this: when someone enters your house, you know we don't have the kind of streets like in America. And when we enter our, I mean inside the house, you walk without shoes. Yeah. And you just use your shoes outside the house. Anyway, so if someone is entering your house, the first thing that you say, I mean, you don't always say it, but very often people say, oh, don't take off your shoes. It's it's dirty (laughs) in here. uh, Yeah, don't take off your shoes. Not that it's dirty. It's just like Uh, uh, you don't have to. Like uh, don't bother yourself taking your shoes off. Oh, wow. But they don't really mean that. (laughs) Wow. But but you're saying it's more, it's, it's, um, it's more important to me that you're comfortable and don't have to go to the trouble of taking off your shoes than to keep my house clean. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah it's yeah. a way of showing huh. that. Yeah, yeah. It's just they know that the person is probably going to take them off. Right. Yeah. But still, they they, they say that. And in America, if you say that, then they keep their shoes on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Great. <laughs> yeah, so I'm just trying to think of a... I'm just trying to remember some scenarios of me hosting. Well, some you guests. said you know you make sure they're fed. What do you feed them? Like Pringles. I mean, what are we talking about when you want to make sure Hichina. your guest is fed? <laughs> <laughs> Good karachai hichini. Yeah, so hichini is just something like uh, I think Ed Andrew would describe it better. So it's just like it has different stuffing in it. I mean. I don't want to get too much into food, but it's a good. It's the national karachai bread dish. Stick to your main dinner dish. Yeah. Okay. yeah. All right. So anyway, you treat them with that, and what I'm just trying to remember again some scenario of how would I would host people. I can I can give you some separate things. I would know, even, you like know, some episodes, and I'll speak from some of my experience. Like if we 
or a guest in a Caucasus person's home. Okay, for example, we were in a Kabardian family's home with my friend Aleem uh, a couple months ago. Um, they came, they picked us up mm-hmm. in their car. Um, when we got there, they had the huge spread, food spread out. And usually when you're a guest in a Caucasus home, especially if you're the older man, you sit down at the table and you don't move for like three hours. <laughs> like everybody serves you. All of the event happens there at the table. Um, yeah, that's really it. Then when you leave, like they gave us so much food to take home. Um, and I remember we talked at the table about, uh, I think we asked them what kind of animals they had. Uh, and they have like some farm animals and Christy made a comment. They had some rabbits and she said, Oh, I've never, we've never had that before. (laughs) So the next time we saw them, they brought us one of their rabbits, uh, like for us to cook, um, a dead rabbit. Yeah. Yeah. Not a pet rabbit. Not a, not an alive (laughs) one. No, like, Yeah. yeah. And they sent us home with a lot of food. Um, I mean, and then when you leave the house, you don't just like wave by at the doorstep. Yeah, that was the point I was. They wanted to make. Yeah. yeah, like they walk us all the way out to the car, and then they drove us home. But usually, they would walk you out to your car or wherever you're going. It's a very important point because uh, if your guests are living, if you're if you're leaving your place, it's just compulsory that you. Um, I don't know what's what the word for English is. Like you, um, bake them farewell, or how do you say? Bid them farewell. See them off. Walk, yeah. See them off. Walk uh, yeah. Them see out. The, you see them off and. It's an important thing in my culture. Like even after they sit into their car, you may you stay outside until they just go uh, until they just become unseen, so to say, yeah. like out of sight until they go yeah. out of sight. You know, yeah. This is. I mean, this is. We don't do this. I mean, we do this. It's like you're saying goodbye to your grandmother for half a year, or you're you know? going to college. Yeah, you leave going to college, yeah. and you're weeping and waving the handkerchief at the <laughs> door. You know, the stoop. It's crazy to me. I've noticed with myself. When I cross the border back into America and I have guests, it's like my feet are glued to the d- ground at the door and I can't walk outside to say bye to them. Uh, I'm so used to in America just waving bye from inside. Yeah. Whereas here, yeah, you, ha- you walk them out all the way out. And I've had friends walk me all the way home from, when I was a guest at their place all the way home from 20 minutes away, walk me back to my place. Um, it's really cool. Yeah, I mean... Um- they might be a bit over, kind of like I mean, you're a foreigner, right? Yeah, they're overdoing not, it. Of course, yeah, yeah that's not every time. I'll say that. Bit, but, but like everybody walks you out for sure. Yeah, that, out that's of the building. that's for sure. At least you walk someone out to uh, to your uh, to your door. Not not to your door. I mean the door of your uh, of your yard building. Yeah, of your bu- not not building. I mean, I'm talking about or like a home, home, a courtyard. house, house, courtyard. courtyard. Yeah. You get out of the house and then you just walk them to the street, so to say. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That happened to me in uh, Nalchik with a Cherkess family. Cherkessian? Cherkess. Circassian. Right. In English. Family. And for us, there's sort of a, it's sort of like we don't know how many times we're supposed to say goodbye. Like, when is, when am I, when's the, (laughs) The real oh, goodbye. When have yeah. I actually said goodbye? It's like, okay, bye, thank you. And they're still with me, and now I don't know what to say anymore because I already said the last yeah. thing. Yeah, and th- that's another thing. When you, when you get out with people like that, um, even though you said, like, even though they said being in your house that they're going to leave, you know, um, you get out with them, and you just spend, you can, you can spend, like, 20 minutes with them talking, talking there, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you just yeah. got to do it. That's how we learn. Just do it. Another part with the hospitality piece I've noticed here is if you're if you have guests coming, yeah, like let's say you have Cox's guests coming to your house, they're they're always going to bring you food with them. They're bringing gifts with them. Usually, uh, I didn't today, but <laughs> you uh, you have many times. Uh, Halid has many times brought homemade home cooked food from his mother. It's been wonderful, uh, but uh, yeah. Almost always guests coming to you will bring lots of food. And then if you're a guest at their place, they'll send you home with lots of like homemade food. Right. And I have, I basically have a policy now. If we run, you know, in Russia, it's a big deal that you drink uh, chai or hot tea with, with your guests. And then you'll have like sweets and snacks. I don't ever buy sweets anymore or desserts at the grocery store. One, because my wife cooks lots of good desserts. <laughs> but two, because 
I know my Caucasus friends will bring them with them when they come <laughs> as guests. So like my philosophy when we run out of sweets is I just need to have more people over. <laughs> and then they bring the food with them. And it, it works every time. Do you feel that it is a sort of unspoken law and give and take with the expectations built in and people plan around the expectations? Oh, you know, um, it's actually um, a certain science, you know, uh, in the, um, not, not exactly what you said, but there's something, something similar. You know, when we, we do kill animals, we'll do slaughter animals like on our own. And in my culture, if you slaughter an animal and if you give out uh, some parts of it to your neighbors, like we, we have some celebrations. Yeah. And during those celebrations, we sometimes kill animals. And if you do that, um, every part of the animal goes to a certain kind of person. Huh. Like if you're for old people around you, for, old, for your old neighbors, you give certain parts. For your younger neighbors, you give certain parts. And, wow. you know, it just goes like that. You know, it's wow. very... Wow. So, all right. That does sound like a science. Elliot, <laughs> if you had, if your family had slaughtered a lamb before mm-hmm. you came here tonight, which part of the lamb would you have brought us? Um, <laughs> the best one, probably. <laughs> <laughs> For the guest, of course. <laughs> the left ear. <laughs> you know, we, it's not exactly like that, but even in our culture, we have an expression called, uh, it says chewing the fat. Chewing the fat. So, you know, what does the expression mean, Andrew? If you're chewing the fat, what are you doing? Uh, wow. You don't know. Okay. You know, I've lived in Russia a couple of years now, and you forget uh, these we were things. just chewing the fat. You're just, like, talking about... Chit-chat. Little right? things, small talk. Well, so apparently, like, back in the day, mm-hmm. when people killed animals in our culture or some of the culture we came from, you have this abundance of food. And so mm-hmm. you could take a huge strip of fat, which a lot of people in the world eat in America, we throw it away and get rid of it. Cause we're afraid of it. And you hook <laughs> it on a hook in your doorway, hmm. which was an invitation to people coming by to come. Oh, oh you have plenty and uh, it's inviting them to come over. They'd come over, stand in the door where you'd cut off some of the fat and yeah. chew on it while wow. you talk. I didn't know that. So we could do that. We can hang some fat. I'll do it if you do it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't cool. hold your breath. So, uh, we've hit on respect, hospitality. Is there, if there was any one other kind of value of Caucasus culture that you feel like we have to talk about, is it, did any come to mind? Mm, I mean, like, men have to be men. Mm. Women have to be women. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like manliness. Manliness. Yeah. And, but also femininity. Also, yeah, because um, girls are. I mean, I know that I hear a lot like "don't be shy, don't be shy." I know it's a common expression in, in English, mm. but you don't, you wouldn't say that in my native language because being shy in my native, um, in my culture, is actually an asset. Oh, it's wow. not something that you're for men uh, and women. For men and women, yeah, especially mm. for women. Sure, especially for women. And when it comes to men, uh, yeah, I mean, you have to be. Like an image of a pure Caucasian is that he doesn't complain. You know, he's not like mm. whining around, if that makes sense. Like yeah. he doesn't whine, he's not yeah. like crying and stuff like that, you know. Um, but again, you, you have exceptions, of course. Right, of course. Yeah, but that's the image like uh, of Jigit, you know. Like, Jigit. I yeah, was it's, bring like, that it's like up. Caucasian Superman. <laughs> it's, that means like kind of like warrior, right? Like um, a Caucasian man. In Karachai? What's yeah, is that the what language is that from? I, I, don't, I don't I don't I have no idea. Yeah, it's just Caucasus white. Okay, Jigit. So I, th- Eli, I want to do later at some point an episode on what is the Caucasus man and what oh, is yeah. the Caucasus woman. All right, because uh, like I, you've hit on a really good point. Like, there's strong um, views of how that should be here and how so, that is here. Yeah. I know there are a lot of like really um, serious ways to. Uh, violate that principle, men being men, women being women, that are have a lot of moral problems. But I feel like there are a lot of small ways that are a lot more lighthearted. And I have a question. All right. Is it true that <laughs> guys riding the tram feel manlier when they don't hold on to the rail? <laughs> <laughs> because I have seen multiple times really serious-looking guys standing there balancing... <laughs> 
They will not hold that rail. They will not hold that rail, and and they're good is at it. Is there something behind that? Is there is something that like behind a Jagit that? thing? Um, I don't have that. Do you hold the rail when you ride the tram? <laughs> this is my question. Um, you don't have to answer that oh, question. Oh, by, by the way, by the way, you actually reminded me of a very interesting point. When you're riding a horse, when you're riding a horse, uh, it's a shame if you keep the saddle with your hands. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because uh, one hand, your left hand, is for the brittle, mm-hmm. and your left on your right hand has to be like kind of like free because probably back in the day you would you would fight with your light with your right hand and you would uh. have to be able to keep your balance on the horse without your without aiding yourself with your right hand and yeah those inner thighs man if they're up to par you can do it with no hands and <laughs> swing your sword think, and blow kisses I think he just answered your question I think if so you too you can't use your hands to hold on to a horse there's no way there's you can no hold way on the using the tram. <laughs> tram come on that old lady with the with the little like receipt machine she didn't hold on to anything yeah That's it's awesome. just uh, people might laugh at you even today if you're riding a horse and my uh, like Kirchines you know in particular they're really into horses and if you're riding a horse and just you know, if the if the horse is running and you're um, aiding yourself with your right hand and you just grab the, the saddle with it just to keep your so left hand bridle only, not even not holding the saddle, not I, holding I mean, the mane. Some people I can see some people using their both hands for the bridle and stuff, but but, but you're not, not holding on, but but not holding the but not holding the saddle. You know, you know I think that's true. Cowboys too. A cowboy wouldn't hold that saddle. Hmm. Wouldn't be worth the salt. That's a sailor term. Mixing metaphors. <laughs> but that's not what this is about. Yeah. Cool. All right. So, so gender roles. That's really important. These, uh, so we're going to keep moving here. But to recap, Khalid hit on three really important Caucasus values are respect, hospitality, yeah. and really like there's um, the right way a man should be and a woman should be. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So, Hit on this real quick, and then we'll wrap up. Um, are these these values and like kind of like taking on? I mean, you're 20, yep. but you really understand this culture, and you've taken yep. it on. Was this taught to you, or do you just kind of learn it by seeing it? Is it how does that work, um, especially with younger people? I had both of them. I remember cases like uh, if there was some gathering, if we, if we had some guests at home. And we would sit all together, like mm-hmm. our family and them. Mm-hmm. And as a kid, I would certainly do something inappropriate, something out of code. Yeah. And then after all, all people left, my mom would come to me and say, hey, you were wrong to do this. Uh, you shouldn't have done like that. You should have done like that. And she would teach me stuff like that. Huh. And there are some other things, like, for instance, that third thing that we mentioned, like men should be men, women should be women. Um, no one really, I mean... You might hear some like direct advice, like "don't do this or do that," but uh-huh. there's that general spirit in the in the in the culture yeah. that you that you just swallow, and you know, yeah. I mean, it's not like you mm-hmm. internalize it. Yeah, yeah, you that's internalize right. It. So, huh. I, like th- another question, Red. Je- I know we're landing the plane here, but so I ask, I have a Chechen friend, and I ask him all these cultural questions, and kind of he's he has to say no, 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 because otherwise it would sort of be undoing, you know, the the value that he's trying to defend. So y- you probably gonna, but just answer this. All right. <laughs> Did you get off your stool? Because I don't have a stool. Stool. The stool. Uh, <laughs> is that why? So, and maybe you didn't even think about we're it. We're all like, sitting I on the ground to, so, right now. They, so Andrew this. and Khalid were on stools, but my tripod, we only have two mic stands. My tripod is six inches tall and it's on a table. So I'm sitting on the floor. I didn't think twice about it. And then I noticed you, you said, no, no, it's more comfortable for me to kneel. And now I'm wondering. <laughs> and I'm just, just curious. Do you think that happened because I was down? I might have done it subconsciously, subconsciously. Maybe, but I'm not, I'm not really sure. All right. I, I didn't feel comfortable on this, on this chair. Also. It's, it's not very that, It's an Ikea stool. It's not very comfortable. Yeah. All right. All right. Just, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I'm not trying to put you on the spot. You understand. I, I'm, yeah. I'm See, trying to be an anthropologist. He's more perceptive. I didn't even think about that. You at least thought about that. So good for you. Thanks. I do notice some pe- sometimes when someone is talking to me while he's standing and I'm sitting, I do notice myself standing up, uh-huh. and then I just realize realize yeah. that I stood up. Yeah, because you just really feel uncomfortable. And when I came to university, like at my uh, at school, if the teacher would ask you something, you would stand up and and right. then you would speak. Yeah, 
here you don't do that. I remember doing it like once and just and the teacher I guess set me down if I was saying <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. You're not in Karachai esque anymore or wherever. Not yeah. Yeah, when you're home. Huh. Wow. Cool. Well, Khalid, thank you so much. We're gonna I'm gonna ask you this last question. Uh we're gonna we're gonna ask this question to every local guest we have on our podcast. What would you like to say to the rest of the world about the North Caucasus? <laughs> I couldn't have said it better myself. There you have it. Hey, that concludes uh, this episode about North Caucasus culture. Remember, if you have any questions, want to be in touch with us about anything. We want to hear from you. That's right. We care about you. So email us at caucustalk <laughs> podcast at podcast po- at. Yes, thank you. I thought your aunt <laughs> was the at. No, that was my, that was my uh, buzzer signal. <laughs> Email us at podcast at caucustalk.com. That's C-A-U-C-A-S talk.com. This was episode four of Caucus Talk, your source for culture, history, and tourism in the North Caucasus Mountains of Russia. We will see you when you get here. <laughs> <laughs>